This is Human Nature, real stories where humans and our habitat meet. Senior producer Erin Jones introduces us to her mom, Sandra Jones. When I was a kid, my mom had a business raising monarch butterflies in our suburban house in Alpharetta, Georgia. She mailed them in individual envelopes all over the country to people who released them at weddings instead of rice. We had a greenhouse in the backyard and a big netted cage in the family room. But one day, Sandra found a dangerous parasite on some of the insects. She needed to totally disinfect the cage. She hopped onto our late 90s Mac and consulted the archives of a butterfly farmer's forum. They all said the solution was grain alcohol. I didn't know that it was just something out of the liquor store. I didn't know what grain alcohol was. That was the, the archives only said, use grain alcohol to do this, blah, 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 blah. They didn't say, they didn't say use vodka or whatever it would be. <laughs> they said use grain alcohol. So by George, I had to get some, I had to get some grain alcohol. So I went back to the list server and I started emailing questions. And like, what is grain alcohol and where can I get some? Some said a chemical company might have it. Others said try a pest control outfit. And someone even said Everclear ought to work. I was so focused on the specific remedy called grain alcohol that that just went right over my head. (laughs) I'm looking for grain alcohol. So I went to the Yellow Pages and I started making phone calls. I bet I called a hundred different places. I called pest control companies and chemical companies and anything related that I could think of. People were really polite, but they hung up, and others were totally outraged, but they hung up. Until finally, one man in one of the feed stores asked me why in the world I would call him asking for grain alcohol. And once again, I explained, I have a butterfly parasite problem and needed the grain alcohol to sanitize my cages. He actually, (laughs) he actually seemed sympathetic. So he gave me a number to call of a feed store way out in the country. This guy just might have what I'm looking for. And here's, here, here, again, uh, clueless here. He told me to mention his name, and I was thinking he wanted a business referral, and that was the least I could do. So I called, I called the number, and a man answered. And I told him who I was, and I mentioned the other guy, and did he have any grain alcohol? Silence. Total and complete, utter silence. And then really kind of low, he said, what do you want it for? And so I explained. More silence. I'm maybe beginning to think that perhaps I ought to go back to my list server and check out the other advice. Until he said, where are you coming from? And I perked right up and said, Alpharetta. (laughs) And he said, when can you come? And I said, right now in Eureka, I had located some grain alcohol. And then I jumped in my minivan and off I went to the North Georgia mountains. This was in the days before iPhones and Google Maps. So the man had given me detailed directions like 
40 miles on this two-lane highway, then a couple of lefts and rights past this landmark and that landmark. And finally, after driving through about three or four small towns, or maybe they were just communities, I reached a stop sign with a convenience store on the right, and that's how I knew I was on the right route, at least according to this man's instructions. And by the way, this is where he cautioned me, this was the last place for gas. <laughs> so I made sure my tank was still full. And leftward and onward, I began winding my way up through the Blue Ridge Mountains. The road narrowed, it got curvy and steep. The trees got bigger and closer around. I drove deeper and higher into the Netherlands and I didn't meet any other cars and there were very few houses until the directions had a final left turn into a tiny unpaved county road and then about a half mile down that road was the feed store. It was on the left and it was right on the road. And it looked like a folk art painting. It was small, it was a frame building with a high front porch and a screen door. It was like I crossed a time warp and suddenly dropped into the 1920s or 40s or something. So I pulled into the gravel way and that's when I noticed two men sitting on the front porch. And these guys were sitting there patiently waiting for me to get out of my minivan. So I got out of my minivan and I walked up the steps and onto the porch. Sandra? Yes, sir. <laughs> and I, I'm not kidding, without another word, he just got up and strolled into the store. Now, I cannot tell you one thing that was in that store because I, I really can't. I was so focused on this man and the surrealness of it all. He was tall and thin and bearded. And anyway, so he walked around a big old wood counter and he, he reached under it and brought up a glass gallon jug and he placed it on the counter and the jug was full of some kind of clear liquid. That's when the light bulb lit up. Oh my God, I'm buying moonshine? I paid him $10 cash. <laughs> and then Mr. Abe said, now you be real careful going back. He was actually pretty friendly. And I said, yes, sir. But here's the thing. I never knew whether he meant be careful driving or be careful and not get caught with moonshine or be careful and don't drink moonshine while driving. I had no clue what he meant, but I knew I was going to be very, very careful driving back. We waved politely, and I drove home with the cargo in my floorboard. And I, I kept checking my rearview mirror all the way home because I fully expected to be pulled over by some moonshine sting operation. Oh, and by the way, I found out not much later that a bleach solution would have done the same trick. Furthermore, I assume the statute of limitations for buying moonshine has since expired.